normalize conversation around it, normalize um, what the cycle is, how often they might get their period, um, which can differ in the first few years. So what's really normal, what it feels like. A lot of them want to know what it feels like. So they, their only association with blood has been something that's painful. So, you know, with that comes a lot of fear. Is this going to hurt? What's going on? You're listening to the Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. This is episode 191 of the Well Woman Podcast. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you tuning into this episode. Today, we are chatting on a really important topic about celebrating your child's first period or your first period, depending on who's listening to this. We are joined by the beautiful Melina Obsenica. And the reason why I had Melina come and join us for this particular episode is she is the founder of Blooming Periods. This was born after a mixture of her own self-discovery. And she discovered how really important it is that we talk about these topics that were never talked about and she was never taught about too. You know, it's not taught at school, not to our mothers, from our mothers, not through friends. And so many people are still misunderstanding this information. Simple things like painful periods are not normal. Hello. So she's on a mission to teach daughters to understand their bodies and to not be ashamed of their periods, to be comfortable with the changes they're going through and to trust their bodies. So Melina and I dive beautifully into the topics of like how to start topic conversations around periods in your home, how to normalize periods at home, what we can do in a parent-daughter relationship to bring that bond together and make periods normal because after all, they are normal, right? (laughs) Um, We also discuss menarche, the beautiful rite of passage, and we explore the different ways you can celebrate your child's first period. I loved some of these suggestions that Melina (laughs) shared and I was like, I want to do this for myself. Can I do this now? So you're in for a beautiful treat with this episode. Share this episode. I strongly encourage you and invite you to share this episode with those who have daughters, whether they're mothers or fathers, and you know that they're going to be going through this journey at some stage in their life. Listen to this podcast straight up. You know, as even when you know you're pregnant, this is a great way to start introducing period conversations and celebrating your child's first menstruation by starting early. And that doesn't mean early with them. That means early with yourself. And you'll find out more on this in this episode. Melina, welcome to the Well Woman podcast. Thank you, Gemma. I'm so excited to be here. I feel very blessed that you're here to talk about some really beautiful topics about menarche and rites of passage and supporting, you know, young menstruators. But before we jump into it, tell us what day of your cycle are you on and how are you checking in today? How are you feeling in this moment? So I'm on day 14. Um, For me, as a perimenopausal woman, this is, um, I've already crossed over into my autumn. Um, so I have had two lots of bad night sleeps, which suggests to me that there's a few things going on, uh, which is quite common for perimenopausal women to go through. So my cycles can be anywhere now between 21 days and 29 days, very kind of 
different. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, my cycles now are generally around the 24 days, but they can appear earlier or later. But yeah, so I'm in that time where I've still got quite a bit of energy um, and I'm still quite productive, but I'm feeling a little bit of irritation come in, which is general for me around these days, especially with kids around. And then that mm -hmm. kind of lifts in a few days and I'll be all ready to finish off some projects coming up. But yes, that's I love that's where I'm at. I love that. And I love that you honored how it's okay and totally fine for your cycle to, to ebb and flow and change, especially at this pre-menopausal time. Yes. Um, and I know we're going to chat about it, but it's very similar to when we get a period for the first time. So like transitioning into menstruation and transitioning out of menstruation actually have a lot of similarities. So I yes. love that we're going to dive into that. But before we do, tell us who is Melina and why are you the person that we can talk about this topic with? And how did you get into this world of parent-daughter relationships and menarche and, you know, helping those navigate those transitions? Yeah, so I am the founder of Blooming Periods, which looks at, you know, thriving in our first periods and our last periods. Now, I was, this came out of left field for me. I'm, um, you know, I was a mother, a stay-at-home mother for a long time, and I didn't even talk to my didn't talk to my children about periods, didn't talk to my husband about periods. Even when I got pregnant the first time, I'd been on, on and off the pill for like 12 years and then got pregnant, uh, not planning to, <laughs> only a few months after I came off the pill. So I was very, very unaware of my cycle, what it meant, what it did. And it wasn't until my oldest daughter was about eight or nine and I was starting to think I really probably should speak to her about periods but I had no clue where to start at the same time I was going through a bit of a um a phase where I needed to heal a lot I needed to heal a lot of mother things within myself within my own mother relationship with my own mother and I had a felt like I had a calling to do a lot of womb healing at the time. And I discovered a book called Wild Power, which I'm mm, sure you know book. about, mm -hmm. which blew my mind and made me think, I do not want my daughters. So I've got two daughters and a son. Um, I do not want my daughters or my son really to go through the next 20 years till they're almost 40, not knowing about their bodies and their cycle like I did. So I did all that I could to change the narrative within my own family, to consciously really change what I spoke when I, you know, had, when I had my own period, the way I spoke to my children, the way I spoke to my husband, it took a lot. It took a lot mm -hmm. of effort from myself to get over the awkwardness what I'm learning now is something that we should be taught from a young age. And, you know, as I think about my teens and how hard I was on myself through my teens, just even things like what, why am I feeling so different week to week? Why am I, is there something wrong with me that I want to hang out with my friends this week? And I didn't last week, you know, there was a lot of questioning, um, but once you know your cycle, you understand that this is a normal process and you can start to work with it. So 
as I did that, I started talking to some friends and I'm saying, you know, I actually want to teach, you know, you, your daughters about it as well. And because I knew that there was a very big um, emphasis also on the mothers sharing this, not having it come through school, not having it come through another method, it needed to come through the mother. So I started developing these workshops, which I now run um, for tweens and teens, teaching them on the cycle, but also introducing the mothers into it to create this rite of passage around around the menarche phase, um, which, as, as you know, I'm sure, is not just when she gets her period. It's the lead up to the period. It's when her period comes and it's the time after that as well that really gets her to not only know her body but to also um, to also know her place in society as a woman and and how uh, valued we are as women and I think that really comes back to not feeling shame around our bodies or our periods and not not having it be taboo and you know, being uh, valued and I want to say proud, but I guess, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, I guess empowered, empowered by being, by being a female. And, you know, I see my oldest daughter's 14, she's nearly 15. And I still see that there's stigma and shame. Um, we're, We're a lot more open than we used to be. Absolutely. But there's still a lot that we need to, to work through. And, and helping our girls get through that. Mm, so beautiful. It sounds like you're doing a fantastic job. And I think that there's so much like teens today are very different to like when I was a teen, when you were a teen, you know, I always think today, I'm like, I don't know how the teens do it. You know, I was lucky to have a magazine, you know, and I you know, would save up my money and I would sometimes get a magazine every couple of months. And that one exposure to like images and media and discussions around topics that weren't often talked about with your friends happened once for like 90 days. Whereas today you can jump online and you can have multiple conversations. You can have like 90 conversations in the one day and there's so much more exposure. And I feel that there is so much more pressure, you know, on teens to be a certain way or do, and, and tweens too, like be a certain way, do, do a certain thing, act a certain behavior and express in a certain way and it's it's a lot of pressure and Mm -hmm. I really I love that you were like no I've got to change this and I've got to explore this for myself so that I can be the great role model because I'm a big believer that the change of menstrual understanding and the menstrual revolution that I'm the mission that I have is it starts at home you know it doesn't start at school it's not the school's responsibility you know, even though, yes, it'd be great for some school education to improve on this topic. I totally agree. It's it's our responsibility at home. And yeah. this rite of passage and this journey is like the new moon. It's the, the moon might happen at a certain time on a certain day, but the cusp of the new moon happens over a few days. And that's like, okay, the period is just that one little pinpoint, that first period anyway, but there's this beautiful cusp either side. And that's what you were talking about. Um, so let's chat about those topics. Yes. Yeah. Oh. I, can, I just want to jump in. and Yeah, please do. I think you brought up something really important about the, it needs to come from home. And, you know, yes, they have, they have so much more available to them now, but that's also goes in a, a kind of negative way as well. They've got 
too much access to things that can be quite damaging. And there's, um, it's, there's a lot of normality to things that shouldn't be normal for teenagers as well. So part of this for me as well was the ability to have open conversations at home and it starts with a period because that's probably one of the, the first most awkward conversations that a parent needs to have with a child around puberty, around their period, what's happening with their period. But from that, we go into pornography. We go into consent. We go into a whole lot of other conversations that also need to be done at home. Yes, the school needs to support that or the education um, wherever they're getting educated from needs to support that with, with healthy role models as well. And there's some wonderful um, teachers doing that, men and women. Um, but it, that needs to come from home as well. And that's that was really important to me because I had an experience that I could not share with anyone. And part of my healing when I got to my 40s was a remembering of this experience that I had suppressed. Um, you know, so I have to my oldest daughter, about you know certain things and when my youngest daughter who's 11 she'll you know I'll speak to her soon and also my son who's 13 um but yeah these conversations are really important to have at home and if we can't speak about periods if we're thinking I'm just gonna let I'll just let them learn this at school then we're missing big opportunities to have bigger conversations later you're spot on totally I could not agree anymore um it's so important but let's talk about that journey and that process, menarche, yeah. like menarche for those who are listening who are like, what is menarche? That's really like your first menstruation, you know, yeah. the welcome to menarche. So let's talk about that rite of passage and how do you share on this rite of passage to parents to share with teens? You know, what are your tips around that? So it has to be a lead-up conversation. So there has to be a normal, normalised conversation at home. Now, where this gets tricky is if mothers don't have their period anymore. So I get asked this question quite often, how do we start talking about periods? The easiest thing to do is to start normalising your own period, is to tell them when you've got your period, to you know tell them what you need at that time and for many mothers, that's also tuning back into what they do need, allowing themselves to rest, allowing themselves to delegate some things. That for without mother guilt too. That that's quite tricky for a lot of women, many women, including myself, to start with. You know, I had to say, no, I'm actually not going to do this anymore. <laughs> I will let them all know when I've got my period, and that you actually need to be a bit more quiet because my ears are a lot more sensitive. <laughs> So um, I think normalising the cycle as a woman, normalising that it's okay to ask for rest um, for, for time out. But yeah, like I say, it is tricky if a woman no longer has a period for any, re any um, particular reason. So what I suggest in that um, case is to just acknowledge the cycles. We, we are still cyclical beings. Acknowledge when you're feeling a little bit lower when you're feeling like you need a bit more rest um, and, and normalise things that, that way. Um, so that's a start. Normalise your own period. Then we just need to start, you know, mentioning how it's more about having a healthy body. So a lot of 
uh, mothers again say, I'm not ready to have the sex conversation. That's fine. It's, you know, a menstrual cycle is part of a healthy woman's body. We can talk about it. We can reframe the menstrual cycle as part of a healthy woman's body. Yes, you might mention that you bleed because the you haven't, um, you know, there's no fertilization, but you don't need to go much into that. Um, and then I think it's really being aware of where your daughter is in the puberty phase. So many girls are getting their period younger and younger. I often have girls coming through the workshops who um, will have started their period at nine or 10. Um, so it is getting younger. In that case, we need to make sure they're supported, particularly at school. Some primary schools are not very well set up for girls who have their periods. So it's really important that we um, communicate with the school and get them on board with, you know, even accessing their bag if they need to. It can be really, really tricky uh, for girls. Um, but also then having support from others in the community. You don't have to do it by yourself. So there's people like myself who run workshops. There's, there's other women in other areas who do very similar things. Um, and having that backup from from someone else who's not your mum is, <laughs> is very helpful. So even if it's an auntie, you know, I, I talk about aunties um, quite often. It doesn't have to be an, an actual relative, but just having older women who they can turn to or, you know, who they can have conversations with and, you know, ask about what their first period was like. So it doesn't always have to come from yourself or you shouldn't feel like it's, um, it's something that you have to do alone. Uh, and then once she does get her period, it's the ongoing support of making sure she's, you know, she's not, she knows what she's doing, making sure she doesn't, she's, if she's having any questions, if things, knowing what's normal um, and, you know, if things aren't normal to explore why that might be the case. And, and that can take a couple of, a couple of years after her first period so yeah the actual transition is is a is a long one and if you think of um for those mothers out there when you became a mother it didn't that that phase that you went through until you felt really comfortable didn't happen just like that it's it's a process and it's the same for them as well that's a great analogy for mums because they've had that lived experience mm. um I always like to you know, when I teach in schools, I'm always like, it's like surfing. The first time you're always going to fall off and you're always going to face plane into the wave and you just need to like get back on the board and just keep paddling and just keep, you know, learning the process and getting in the water. And the only way to learn is by doing. Yeah. And so by doing is one of the best ways to transform and really adapt well. Such great tips. I loved all of those, especially around mothers who are no longer menstruating for whatever reason. And I think that really works well with single dads, single dads yes. who are really dominant in their daughter's lives. And that also opens up into the conversation that not all those who bleed are women mm -hmm. because there are, and I've met lots of transitional kids in the high schools that I've taught in who are born women, but they're transitioning to male and they still menstruate. Mm -hmm. They're like, how do I manage this when I want to be this other person? And I think that for parents, if in my mind, I like to see that if we treat everyone the same, we can really create unity and equality around education on the menstrual cycle. And I think that for mums, when they're not menstruating, 
like tracking your cycle with the moon and still mm. living cyclically is, I love that you mentioned that. Men who do, uh, the, like the fathers who are wanting to be role models or maybe they have sole custody of their children, you know, you can track your cycle daily, you know, and you as a as a father connecting with your body every day. Like today I feel like this and honoring how you feel, like that creates confidence, like you were saying about a healthy body. So I love, I love all of that and sex conversations. Oh my God. <laughs> Like this is like, I get, I'm yet to have children. Um, but I think it's so important to recognize that they're already having those conversations with their friends mm-hmm. and it might be really uncomfortable for them to have it with you. But I love that you mentioned an auntie or an uncle or a big brother or a big sister or something, you know, that really can help bridge the gap. But I also feel something that Rosie Rees, who's a beautiful friend of mine, she um, runs the Yoni Pleasure Palace. You know, just leaving little things around. You don't have to have a conversation about it. You know, you can just leave something and like, it's like the, the non-vocal conversation that happens. And that can also sometimes be a good bridge if you feel unconfident to be like, Hey, we need to sit down and talk about sex. And this is what a condom is. And this is, and yeah, anyway, so I could rant on that topic for ages. (laughs) And Um, I, I absolutely agree as well. And I think it's important for them to, to know what a healthy sex life is as well. Like we mm. had um, just share a little story. So Please it was do. my my anniversary, my wedding anniversary the other um, the other night, a couple of days ago. And my oldest daughter said to me, "So, do, so do are you and Dad going to have like sexy time tonight?" <laughs> and she goes, "Because I feel like it's you know it should happen like on a birthday or an anniversary. It should be." <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, you know, and I think you know, I've have fostered that relationship where she is quite open and we have very amusing dinner time, dinner table conversations now. Um, and that's not what I came from. I came from a very, quite a religious home actually, where it was not talked about at all. And talking about fathers, I was living with my single father. So I was one of five. He had all of us. So he was the first person I told when I had my period. Um, so yeah, it's, it's important to get the fathers involved as well particularly Mm. if they are like you say a um you know the dominant carer yeah and I think regard like yes definitely if they're a dominant carer but even if a a girl is going and staying at their father's house like once every three weeks for example Mm. and they happen to get their period whilst they're at their father's like if that father doesn't know how to normalize that or just be like oh cool yeah I've got some stuff in the in the cupboard I think that makes it really awkward and that makes like, oh, I can't talk to men about this because they don't understand. And exactly. that's where that birth of that thought can come from. Um, and I love that your daughter was like, are you going to have sexy time tonight? Do I need to wear my earplugs to bed? Um, because that's such a great way to just have it normalized. And mm. I know that something, I grew up in a family where there was not a lot of physical, um, sensual affection, you know, between my parents. Um, they're still together, been happily married for 40 years and whatnot. But, um, you know, for me as a, as a future parent, I really want to be able to demonstrate that to children that, you know, that's that this is what a normal healthy relationship can be. Um, and different other healthy relationships can be other things, but we can display and express this. And I can say no to your father sometimes. And I, you know, because that doesn't make me feel comfortable and you can also say no to, you know, in a consenting way. Yes. Um, and that, that's just comes back to us as the role models. Yes. And 
something that I really love here, Melina, about using aunties and uncles or older siblings, for example, or friends that, you know, technically are aunties, I I like to say, um, is that the weight is equal, like is shared. So you don't have to feel like as a parent that, oh my God, it's all on me. Mm. You really get to share it. And ancestrally, it was a shared experience. And every transition into a different passage was celebrated in a community. Yes. And that community wore that weight, not that it's heavy, but wore this, you know, responsibility to equally share. And recently I read a really beautiful book about Indigenous culture and rites of passage for men and women. And one of the the, the ones about women is that their husbands are chosen when they're born. So they don't get any say in when, you know, who they're choosing is their husband. Um, this is very traditional Indigenous um, way of living. And so by the time that they have their husbands, their husbands are actually quite old and elderly and much beyond, you know, their years. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of the Indigenous women are, are elders without partners. And so then they have to find themselves when they go to be with their husbands, they're removed from their own tribe and they've lost everything they once knew. And they have to communi- like communicate and connect with this new female c- community. And that new female yeah. community is their supporters is okay well I'll show you here's what you do and here's the next step and okay this time of the year we harvest this and then then we go and we hunt that and I think that today we do live much in a world where we're very independent and patriarchal is very you could do it on your own yeah you go sister like that whole girl power thing yeah yeah like what happened to like here take my hand let's do it together yes exactly yeah Mm. what is the name of that book I'd like to um, it's called Men's Business, Women's Business. It's by mm-hmm. a very beautiful woman. Unfortunately, she's passed away now. Um, she's got a few different books out. She's an Australian um, author. Anyway, it's called Men's Business, Women's Business, if I you want to check it out. out. Thank you. Um, really, really beautiful book, very empowering about Aboriginal Indigenous culture, traditional, mm-hmm. um, as born from the top three tribes that live in the Kimberley region of North Australia. Today's episode is brought to you by my signature membership program, the Well Women Academy. Would you love to discover your own menstrual cycle, live with natural fertility and contraception, understand ovulation, master menstruation, and live cyclically? Well, I've got an answer for all of your questions. The Menstrual Cycle Membership is here. The Well Women Academy is a monthly membership where together we study things like the cycle, cycle tracking, cycle rituals, natural contraception, the feminine, eating and moving through your cycle, and lots more. Yep, it's the number one place to discover how to end your cycle signs, live in tune with your cycle for good. For less than $2 a day each month, you'll access over 180 live self-paced educational classes and cyclical specific learning modules across a wide range of formats like written, audio, video, and a guided home study. Not to mention every membership gives back with a menstrual cup to menstruators in need, thanks to our commitment with the COVA project. Join me and women from all over the world inside our private Facebook community and online learning portal as together we awaken our cycles, reconnect with our bodies, and you become guided to live more cyclically. Use the code word podcast to receive 50% off your first month. To learn more and join us, head to wellsome.com forward slash academy. Let's talk about how we can enhance parent-daughter relationships. Like, do you have any tips about, okay, if a parent's like, oh, my daughter would never talk to me about this. um, What are some tips you have for parents bridging that relationship gap? 
Yes. So I think that there's a lot of um, a lot of communication and a lot of support and a lot of not shying away from the awkward conversations. Um, so like I mentioned, there's there's a lot going on in our teens' lives that we have no idea about. There, you know, there, there's the social media and what they have access to. I, I'm having, I have conversations with my husband all the time. It's like you have no idea. I, I probably know a little bit more, but maybe even not as much. But so I think it's really, really important to to push through any awkwardness to have conversations and to to be an open um open forum for them when they need it not not having to you know push conversations but making sure they know that you are there when they need you there so that's the first first one the second one is for us to do any healing that we need to do on ourselves so i you know this came from me healing my own stories, um, my own, you know, things that had happened to me. And I had, I had a, uh, a mother come to one of my workshops once she'd, she'd booked the tickets and I sent her all the details and part of, part of the details, um, one of the things we do in the workshop, which I mentioned in the pre, um, the pre-information is for us to share our first period stories and this mother came back and said, I didn't realize I was going to have to do this. I don't think this is for me. I said, that's okay. You know, we can, if you don't want to share, that's perfectly fine. You can share as much or as little as you want to. And I told her my first period story and just said, this is what, this is what I share. Um, and, and she said, okay. And anyway, she, she came to the workshop. She was the most organized person who shared their story she had written down a whole uh you know a whole thing on on her first period story and she came to me afterwards and said thank you so much I didn't realize how much that had affected me how much my story had impacted on my sharing with my daughter but also on my teen years and just just going over that that first time and you know a lot of it was to do with friends what what her situation was at the time um but even just looking back and looking at our first period story and looking at what happened around that looking at what your parents were going were going through at the time but also how they responded to you getting your first period what did other people do um so i think you know, really looking at looking at our first period and and healing that, but healing any other things that come up. So, like I said earlier, there's still a lot of shame and there's still a lot of stigma. And even when I first started running these workshops, even I found it found it difficult to sometimes talk about periods to other people that I hadn't met before. Um, so there's there's a lot of deep stuff that you know we need to work on and release and so I think yeah those are the two main things not shying away from awkward conversations and and really healing what we need to heal ourselves I love that like taking responsibility because when you heal that personal journey you like see the light yeah and you're like oh my god actually yeah that felt really heavy for me yeah reflection and I I want to remove that weight from my daughter so that she doesn't feel that same heaviness as I did. 
And yeah. that you're right, there is still a lot of shame and stigma. And I teach at a at a particular school uh, once a term every every term I go into this particular high school, and I teach the eight, nine, tens, and they're like the support group. And they're very multicultural. They're very transitional. So there's a lot of transitional kids. And I have met so many girls who have started menstruating at the age of six and seven. Mm. And it's always mm. like, why did this happen to me? And why do I have to deal with this? None of my friends had to have this happen to them. And there's a lot of, you know, dark energy around it and resentment. Mm. And it's there's only so much you can do in a 45-minute session at a school in a group. Um, with these beautiful children, but it's out there. And a little share, a little share on a story is whilst I was away, I had three different menstruations and I was staying in different caravan parks and whatnot. Particular, <laughs> particular bleed, I had my cup and my reusable underwear. So I like to wear my undies at night and I use my cup during the day because I'm out doing things and you know, I don't want to have to think about changing my undies. So I had my cup full of menstrual blood. I added some water in this in the bathroom. Now, if you've never been to a caravan park bathroom, you know, everyone's in the showers doing their things. There's people coming and going all the time. Generally, there's a lot of like gray nomads. So like grandparents, you could say. And, you know, they put all their beautiful organized, <laughs> um, you know, vanity containers or, um, you know, self-care boxes, whatnot in the little shared seating area. And I'm just there with my menstrual cup after I've come out of the toilet, trying to pull up my, my pants with one hand, I've got my undies over my shoulder and I'm at the tap filling up my water in my menstrual cup so I can walk outside and put it by a tree by the by the freaking park <laughs> bathrooms. And the looks I got, it was, and I was like, wow, this is still, for me, that's totally normal. But I can see that there was a like, oh, what is she doing? And really like disgusted. I wanted to look away and it just like you do realize that this is one of the most normal things that people go through. And I say people because men support women in this, women support themselves in this, and we all exist because of a menstrual cycle. And without a menstrual cycle, nobody would be here. Mm. Like literally and a common question I get from people in the cyclical st school um, course who are learning to study to become menstrual cycle coaches is, Oh yeah, but you know, men just don't get it, and they joke about, "Oh, you must be on your period because you're so moody," and they're always like, "What do you say to this?" And I say, "Well, that's interesting because you do realize that periods exist, and therefore you exist, and without a period, you wouldn't exist." And the men are very quiet after that, mm -hmm. and I think that it's that commenting that we are working at eradicating. You know, yes. and I, I'm very proud that the certain schools that I've taught at, the boys often want to ask more questions than the girls because I teach a lot of co-ed classes too. And the boys are like, miss, miss, you know, shoving their hand high. Like, what about this? And, you know, does the color of the blood change? And they're so inquisitive. And I love that because it demonstrates to the women who, you know, or the young teens and tweens who are menstruating that, hey, like this is normal. The guys yeah. want to learn about this too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That was a big rant. <laughs> and yeah, it's funny. My my son will, um, you know, he'll say, forgot, he's got friends coming over. Oh, mom, can you just pass them like a pack of tampons when they walk in? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah, it's quite normal for, for him now too. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Mm, I love that. Mm. Um, now tell us, Melina, what are your tips for 
preparing for menarche. So that first menstruation. So parents who are listening to this and even teens and tweens who feel very unsupported and would like to prepare for themselves. What can, like, what are your top tips for preparing for menstruation, first menstruation? Yeah. So have a pack ready to go in your bag. So, you know, you've always carrying it somewhere. You've a little, nice little case of something with some pads in there with maybe a spare pair of underwear. Um, I have these little balms that they can rub on if they ever get a little bit uncomfortable, a bit crampy. Um, pop in a little chocolate or so you know having something having something ready to go in their bags but also really knowing how to use products so how to use a pad practice putting it on the underwear practice what it feels like for a couple of times you know how to dispose of it so these are things that I go over in my workshop as well so they're actually really comfortable knowing what to do with a pad Um, you know I've had girls or even mums say I didn't know what to do with this I thought the sticky part went on our vulva and you know so or yeah, even so the pad sticks to your st- vulva <laughs> yes so you know it's I, I have sections in my um, workshops where the girls ask questions and the questions they come up with I still after running these workshops for three years have different questions every single workshop so, you know, they, there are a lot of questions that they have that obviously they're ticking over, their brain's ticking over. When you say the boys are asking questions, these are, these are nine, 10 year old girls. They're, they've got a lot of questions. And even though they might have had conversations or had some learning, there's still a lot of questions. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so definitely having something ready for them to go and showing them what to do with the products. That would be one tip. Another tip would be to just, again, normalise conversation around it. Normalise what the cycle is, how often they might get their period, um, which can differ in the first few years. So what's really normal, what it feels like. A lot of them want to know what it feels like. So their only association with blood has been something that's painful. So, you know, with that comes a lot of fear. Is this going to hurt? What's going on? So knowing what that feels like, knowing that, you know, you don't necessarily know when it's going to come. It's not like when you go to the toilet, when you you get signals that it's going, it happens very differently. So really um, a lot of education, just quite factual education, but also things like sharing of stories. And again, you know, if you have an aunt there or someone else that you can communicate with, Um, sharing stories to show them that there's not one way that it happens Mm. it happens to us all in different ways and that it probably or could be many of us have our first periods that are brown so it might not look like what you think it would look like Um, it's quite common to look like a little bit of a just a brown stain Um, so that would be another tip also to to Tell them what's going on with puberty. So I have this little phase that I use about the steps of puberty to know when they're likely to get their period. Oh, I love that. Which is um, boobs, pubes, grow, flow. Mm, I like that. Boobs, pubes, grow, flow. Yes. So boobs tend to come first in the way of breast buds, um, you know, which can be quite painful sometimes to touch but they get the breast buds that will then develop over a couple of years um, they'll start to grow pubic hair um, 
generally pubic in the pubic region first and then underarms later, grow. So they can grow 10 centimetres in the year before their period. So a girl will be at her almost adult height when she gets her period, growing on average about another seven centimetres after that. So you're looking out for that big growth spurt and then flow. So then their period will follow after that. Mm, yeah. I love that analogy. That's really mm. good. It's a bit um, fun. Yeah, it is. And it makes it like easy to remember. Like yeah. I'm all about fun education. That's like yeah. one of my core things when I share stuff. I'm like, is it fun? They're going to make it fun. And um, I think like the te- the tips about like what it feels like and how it's different for everybody and the, the color is going to be different. And I love to encourage um, in preparation for menarche is getting teens and tweens to track with the moon before their period even comes so they can start to go, oh, wow, I do feel different from week to week. And sometimes I want this food and sometimes I want that food. And it helps that transition so that when they do start menstruating, it's not like, oh, my God, i got to do all this stuff now. Yeah, yeah. And I think also, um, I'm sure you teach this, but you didn't mention it, is that for the first one to three years, cycles aren't on time. Mm-hmm. You know, they can vary very dramatically. And I think a lot of that variation all comes back to, health of the person, mm-hmm. you know, the lifestyle that that person has, you know, if there's a particular menstruator and she's doing lots of sport that could contribute to more delayed longer cycles. Um, so a lot of factors that come into that, but don't think, okay, cool. Exactly. In 28 days now from today, I'm going to bleed again. It's, it's learning to explore and check in with your body. And I wish I knew about natural fertility tracking, when I first got my period, because I'm like, that would have made me so confident Mm. around sex conversations. It would have made me confident about when I was going to bleed. I was very heavily into sport at that time in my life. And, you know, I was always worried. I was like, oh my God, am I going to be bleeding just before I start a rowing competition in, in tight lycra? You just never knew um, until I went on the pill. And that really, I really solved that one. Different topic. Um, But I'd love to ask you now, Melina, how do you celebrate the transition? What do you recommend, you know, young menstruators who are transitioning to their first menstruation, that first menstruation, how do you celebrate that? Yes. So um, before I go into that, I just want to touch on what you just said too yeah, please about, do. A, about the difference of the different lengths of the cycle. Mm-hmm. So um, absolutely. Yeah. We, I, I use the analogy like you mentioned surfing. I use the analogy like riding a bike. You, your brain and your ovaries need to keep practicing this. This so it's not going. It's going to take a little while to get used to it. One thing I do with my daughter around that is um, now I've asked her, "Do you want to use a you know thermometer to check your BBT?" She's not interested. That's okay. We'll we'll get to that maybe a little bit later. However, I do mention to her about her cervical fluid and marking her cervical fluid. So that's one of the things I get her to track and using that as a guide to when her period will come next. So, you know, she's she's been menstruating for nearly two years. Um, so it's starting to become a little bit reg, a reg, uh, regular, but still it can be anywhere from 28 to 45 days. So, you know, one of the things I mentioned is around cervical fluid and marking that down so we can know Uh, when the period will come, which is generally 12 to 14 days after her most um, 
wet and stretchy cervical fluid, which in the workshops, I talk about white flow and red flow to normalize cervical fluid as well, because, you know, that's something that we weren't taught about. No way. <laughs> I was so embarrassed handing my dad my undies, like, because he did, all, he did all the washing as, um, you know, I'm, I'm the oldest of four. My dad did all the clothes washing, you know, but handing him the undies, like, I hope he doesn't look inside the undies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he never mentioned anything about it. And I'm sure he knew. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, you kind of think, what is this? Is this normal? You get talk, talked about what a period is, but not about cervical fluid. So that's one thing I mentioned um, too, you know, keeping an eye on that, that, that can help, um, help them, you know, know when their period's coming a little bit rather than uh, counting that 28 days. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good tip. Do, have you ever found, because I've found this with some younger menstruators, that they get very confused about what is an arousal fluid. I find adults get confused about this. What's an arousal fluid? Because they're at that age where they're like exploring potential sexuality, whether that's with themselves or with someone else, or just even in discussion, even just viewing something in a picture or seeing something being like, oh, that woman's really hot in that bikini. And I like, I want that bikini to wear, but that woman's really cute too. Like that can trigger often a lot of arousal fluid. And I found that some girls feel like they're really, really, really wet and it's arousal fluid, not cervical mucus. Have you experienced that at all yourself in your teachings? I haven't delved into that in my teachings, but I would think it also arousal fluid comes with a feeling as well. I think, you, you know, you get that kind of feeling, which, you know, when you're ovulating, you get more aroused as well. So, so there could be some, you know, crossover there as well. That's really a really good yeah. point. It kind of, that's why the sex conversations are important because if you feel aroused and you're able to identify with that, and then you can identify that maybe this is arousal fluid mm. um, and always just write everything on your cycle tracker, like write yes. it down. Yeah. Um, really important. Write it down. Um, yeah. I love that. So let's talk about. Celebration. Um, yeah. Celebration. Yes. Like. I know lots of different things you can do. Obviously, yeah. I've not had to do any of this myself yet with a child. Um, but I'd love what have you done? What do you encourage other parents to do? And what would you encourage that could be different for a father as opposed to a mother? Mm. So with the celebration, one of the things I recommend is that we do it in a way that honors our daughters. So we get them involved, you know, if when they're celebrating a birthday, we'll say, well, what do you want for your birthday? Um, but, you know, some girls might want something quite big. They might want to go out for dinner or they might want something big. Other girls are very, a, a lot more private and would just prefer something one-on-one -on -one with the mum or something a lot quieter. So I come up with a lot of suggestions and I often get the girls feedback and they, you know, they talk to their mums about it while we're in a workshop. So it's, you know, it gets them thinking about, not one that they can celebrate it for a start. And, you know, I encourage that we do acknowledge, um, but again, in a way that honors our girls. So it could be something like doing a room redecorating. Oh, that's so, a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So it really, you know, that transition and then moving on to being a, a, a young lady or, you know, they're, they're, I don't like saying they've become a woman because I think, you know, that's, get it, that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but their, their tastes might have changed. It might be, you know, they might want to change their room around. Could be a spa date. It could be a, an overnight trip with the mum or a special, special friend, um, or special auntie kind of walking her through that phase. You can do, you know, big rites of passage things where you invite 
um, grandmothers and aunties and, you know, sharing stories. You could do something around that. Or it could just be something like a day off school, which I always do recommend anyway, um, for the for the sole purpose of getting them used to knowing what a period is while they're mm-hmm. not at school and mm-hmm. when to change and so forth. Um, but, you know, it could be just a day off school, sitting on the couch, watching movies in a, under a blanket, under a hot water bottle, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, doing something that really does just honour your your daughter. And, and there could be cultural things involved there too. There could be, um, you know, I've, I have had Japanese families who say they make a, a particular bean dish when, they, when a girl gets a period and passing on cultural things as well. Um, so, you know, there's things like that to incorporate too. Mm, I love all of those ideas. And I think it's so special if the multi-generations are involved, but that's really up to the the menstruator because that might be like, oh, my God, it's too much focus. And not all children like their focus to be on them. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I know some kids who don't like having birthday parties for their birthday because it's too much attention. You know, they don't like that. So really customizing yeah. it is so beautiful and dis- discussing it. Personally, I love the whole room de- decoration thing. Like, I would have frothed on that as a yeah, teenager. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If my mum's like, let's redecorate your room. I'm like, yes, yeah, please. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. Really, really great suggestions. And I'm, I know that anyone who's listening to this is like, you know, really going, oh, yeah, I could do this. And I could, yeah. So they're getting lots of tips. I know I'm getting, t- I'm getting tips too. Um, now, I'd love to wrap it up with a question about overall support. So if someone's listening to this and they have not yet learned about the cycle for their own body, or they have not as a male listening to this, like, oh, I don't even know anything about the cycle. What are some foundation steps that you would recommend? Okay. Do these things in the lead up to supporting your daughter, daughter or their, you know, your child as a future menstruator, what would you recommend? Uh, I recommend to all mums, to read Wild Power or to get your hand on a book that really teaches you about your cycle, even going through a program like, like yours, Gemma, where you're really understanding your own cycle, what that means, because like that was mind-blowing for me and that was the catalyst for this that, that made me think I don't want to go through, I don't want my daughters to go through what I went through, not knowing their body and not knowing the power that it has and, and learning about my cycle has been the greatest gift of self-love um, through years of, of not liking my body, not liking its shape. Now I just, I, I can honestly say that I can, I accept all of it. And I love having my period. It gives me permission to, to like, just lie in bed, <laughs> you know, or it gives me permission to slow down. Um, so yeah, really learning about the cycle yourself, understanding um, what that is. Um, for dads, I think it's really important, again, to, to learn a little bit about what the cycle actually means, to know that you're going through that 24-hour cycle and our cycle's 28 days of the same what you're going through. Um, but I understand it's harder for men to access that education um, but, you know, doing what they can, just, I think, not saying those things like, oh, you're moody, you're on your period, um, but tuning into where they are to allow them space and, and, and helping where they can as well. Mm. Beautiful. I love that. Thank you. 
um, top tip, just learn about your own cycle. Yeah. That will transform how you communicate with it, about it at home. Yes. Um, yeah, I love that. And if you don't feel fully confident, reach out to someone who's in your close network that does. Mm. Yeah, yes, that exactly. really does. And I love this. This is such a great conversation. So many beautiful tips. Um, now, how can everyone find out uh, like more about you where, to learn more about your workshops? If there's parents or teens or tweens listening to this, like, oh, I want to do that. Um, how can they find you? How can they connect? So I am on Blooming Periods on um, Instagram. That's where I hang out most of the time um, or bloomingperiods.co. So I have workshops. I'm based in northern New South Wales. So I currently I've got a couple of workshops coming up one in Casarina, which is just around Kingscliff, and another one in Brisbane um, coming up in October as well. I also do them, um, the workshops. I have an online version where you can do it at your own pace. You can sit with your daughter and go through it, um, you know, at your own Great pace. Great idea. Yeah. Um, and I also have facilitators who run the workshops in other areas. So if you want to get in touch, if you're, if you're not in my area, there's um, women in other areas who run them. Um, and I'm just about to launch, I am launching a subscription box for teens, which is they are sent every month their period needs. So it'll include a box of pads or tampons and some period underwear, as well as hormone friendly self-care, because I think, you know, our, our girls are, we're actually exposed to so much more, which can impact our cycle in a negative way. So, you know, teaching about what products we can use that won't impact our cycle negatively um, and also some treats in there because we love a bit of chocolate on our on our period which is perfectly okay but another part of that is an education portal so every month they'll be sent new uh, education videos which is um, extending from my workshops and helping them learn about different parts of their cycle what's normal um, the hormones, what they can do, you know, if they're, if they're dealing with cramps or heavy periods, um, then going into the phases and the seasons. So, you know, that was my, I really wanted to help educate teens, but I know they're hard to kind of turn up to things. So when they get stuff as well, who loves, who doesn't love opening a box of goodies? Um, you know, I've, I think this is a way that we can help them learn to practice tracking and practice knowing what is right for them so they can be more empowered again, learning their cycle. Mm, yeah, so. Beautiful. Congratulations. I love it. Thank you. Um, but I'll pop, I'll pop the links in the show notes. So bloomingperiods.co. Is that yes. correct? Yes. Fantastic. Oh, well, this has been such a beautiful chat. Now, before we do wrap up, I have, of course, a final podcast question. I'd love to hear from you. What are three things you wish you had have known when you started menstruating? And you probably got like 50,000 things, but what are three things you wish you had have known when you started menstruating that you now know today? Okay. So the first thing is um, that cervical fluid is normal <laughs> and that, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's not a sign of something that's going wrong or what the normal cervical fluid is. So if there is abnormal fluid, we know that that's, um, the case. Um, the next thing is about tracking my cycle and that we go through four different phases and how we behave through those four different phases. I really wish I knew that. Um, and the third thing is um, I wish cups were around or I wish, <laughs> you know, something other than these surfboard 
uh, surfboard pads foam, that, foam that, we, that we had that were probably, you know, um, dipped in a whole lot of chemicals that were terrible for us. Um, yeah, but yeah, those are probably the three things that I wish I knew. Oh, I wish I knew all of those too. <laughs> and cups have been around for a long time. Um, menstrual cups were invented back in like the early 1930s, mm. which is crazy to think. Like, And I'm the same. I was like, I only learned about a cup, what, like say six or seven years ago. And I was like, how come I never knew about this? And then when I discovered that they were invented back in like the early 1900s, I was like, what? How has this taken like 80 years for me to discover this? Um, and yeah. It, that's because it's not talked about yes, and yes. wasn't talked about. And so we're changing that, which is so beautiful. And Melina, thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your beautiful wisdom with us and your insights on how to really bridge that gap between, you know, parents and daughters and menarche and bringing it all in. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly so you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at wellsome underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.